All right, everyone, welcome back to All Access USL. That is the first match week done. How about that? We are back with MBFC discussions. Welcome back to the podcast. Yes, uh, thank you. It's good to be back. Um, a very eventful weekend, to say the least. Yeah, um, we're going to dive into every game. We're going to do as best we can in the likely hour-ish this takes, and then see what happens from there. If we have time, we'll cover uh, maybe what we saw player-wise, who we think did the best. But we're just going to go game by game because there was a lot to take in. Um, just some, I guess we'll start with the big thing, obviously a Monterey Bay supporter. <laughs> what was your big thing from that game? I feel like we can start from that game because that might be one of the best opening games we've ever seen with eight goals. I think it was one of our best games offensively I've ever seen. I think I think that transcended beyond the indie game that we had last year. That was just it was it was off the charts. It really was. Uh, you know, we really need to tighten up on the defense, but we're still shaking off some rust, I think, which is yeah. fine. But I think my biggest takeaway is that we have a goal scored. Like it is I think I think Alex should just switch his number from fifteen to nine because <laughs> he was just absolutely so clinical in that game. Of course, fortunate with the with the with the first goal, but the touch to be able to use the outside of that foot and slot it home was very nice. And then of course, just like a beautiful ball for Max and uh, a, a a great a great header at the at the far post, and then uh, the penalty. He was just textbook, just opens his hips to the right and then just slots it home to the left. So we got our goal score, to say the least. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. That was, yeah, I think Alex Dixon coming in and making that big of a statement early on. I honestly don't know if that's what we expected. Like we knew Valeski was still going to be a goal scorer, but I talked about it. Dixon is already seven off getting those double digits that were so... Like so won in last year. If he can keep like he's not gonna get a hat trick in the next game, likely. You've got Louisville in the next game. They were very good against Orange County. But if Dixon can keep that clinicality and just keep going, like the first goal, granted, Richard Sanchez bit caught out there. Same with the whole Hartford defense. But I mean clearance, you know. Yeah absolute whiff on the clearance that was pretty special to watch i mean like i think i think as well hartford they're still gelling um, yeah and i think i think overall they will be fine they are they still have a whole lot of quality and the attack is awesome for them uh mm-hmm. they they caught us on the counter a lot and uh we we paid the price for it that's for sure um but in our own right we countered as well a lot of a lot of counterattacks and it was it was it was fast paced and it was very fun to watch. Yeah, um I was gonna say something. I mean like this I mean what I was gonna say is that we kind of saw the Hartford of last season because Tav Ramos came in last year around September, I believe is when he came in. He only got four or five games, not much. And you always right. think you're going to get that new manager bounce. You know, maybe Hartford will show promise. They weren't honestly that good to end last year. And no. then they I think, come. I think, I think a great example is uh, 
Hartford versus Charleston. Mm. They scored six goals, but they allowed three. Yeah. So you look at it, you scored six, great. But if you don't score six, which you're not going to score six every game, yeah. <laughs> if three put past you, well, that's that's not bad. And yes, well, we allowed three that game. I have confidence in saying that we have an elite center back pairing that yeah. I will say, hey, we can't we can't allow that again. I like going to your point. I would almost rather have a. I would obviously more rather have a five three opening game of the season because that more sounds like you know we have our offensive tactics exactly where we want them but you know we're still a bit rusty in defense i'd rather much have a five to win now in march than say in august when we need to be dialed in yeah so. absolutely um hugh you know he will uh hugh will get all that sorted out in him and kai i think especially like on the on the on the second goal i believe it was just it was hectic uh, it was off the training ground from Hartford and Hugh Kai just like lost his marker. I mean, like just simple as that. It was a flick on from Logue. And then I don't know what the hell Chase was doing. Uh, just wasn't marking rad at all. And so you just slammed it home in the back of the net. So we need to be better on a set piece for sure. That will definitely come with time. I trust Frankie Allop as <laughs> a manager capable of getting the growth from his players. We even, We saw that last year. Um, Tab Ramos, though, I mean, not a worrying game, but after we talked about how he didn't start great last year, starts pretty iffy now. He gets the three goals, but he doesn't get any points. And especially after his one year in Houston, it's a bit worrying seeing that heading into another season, it's starting off pretty tumultuous again. I mean, he's got probably one of the best rosters in the league, or at least one of the best attacks in the league. Um, I would say no. that. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, like, goalkeeper-wise, that's probably the only place that worries me. Joe Rice was good with Loudon, but I don't know how that's going to translate here. They lost Odell. They lost Slayton. Um, and I do not rate Sanchez. I think anybody would see that after this game. Yes, yes absolutely. I I will say I think his lineup was just a bit puzzling. Um, I did I did think, I and, you know, we're always high on Rad, and he's gonna be good yeah he's a great prospect but i i could have sworn i thought tulu was gonna start and then tulu did come on and then moves to a three five two um so i think and then he started sedania which was very interesting i didn't expect that at all uh neither neither did my fellow uh friends from hartford <laughs> they 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 didn't expect that lineup from him so i think it was just a bit puzzling but again i think they're just still figuring it out in the defense they have good – I think they have good pieces on defense. I think Logue, again, is a really good center back. He was a key part of that Memphis defense last year. Um, and you know you're getting in Tulu and, and Rod, so they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think a lot. A big problem with – like Rod got absolutely burned a lot last night, and I think that's more so because he's, he's not a left back. He's a center back. And yeah. if – like we're going to talk about – like that's kind of puzzling because he's – you know, he's not that dynamic when it comes to being able to get up like a left back normally would. Um, well, there's a, probably one of the most puzzling things I've ever seen when we get to the Memphis lineup for sure. Um, but yeah, Broad got cooked last night. The whole Hartford defense got cooked last night. And I think and, it. Yeah. And there, there's especially one person I want to, you know, give a massive shout out to. And that is Max Glasser. I thought he played tremendous. 
for for his first ever start uh, to be able to fill that role that is so big in that left back position because you know Frank he loves his fullbacks and he mm-hmm. loves to get up the pitch and and play defense as well but also put on the, put in those crosses to get the better of Sedanio who's I albeit a veteran I'd say to put in that cross with the left foot his weak foot he's normally a right back so he started at left back but to put in that cross with the left foot was something else and it was a picture perfect ball for Dixon so yeah and I I honestly didn't expect Max Glasser to play left back I mean I think that's also what you need in the USL championship is players to be able to just flexible. you know yeah be flexible I mean he's more so a winger but he was fantastic as a left back and he gets his first assists already in his first game yeah, right because also more so Maury is a a right back that really can only play right back yeah um, yeah, there you so, go. Absolutely huge result in Monterey Bay. I think we can expect the same. Not five goals every game, not three goals conceded every game, but it's going to be a big one. Probably my game of the weekend this weekend, and then looking forward to next weekend, Monterey Bay-Louisville. It's going to be huge. It's going to be um, a great game. We'll move on, though. We have so many games to talk about. We'll move on to memphis Loudon. Um, should we just start with Loudon for the cup? I mean, yeah, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be Loudon versus Monterey Bay and it's going to be, uh, Max Glasser that scores the game winner. I'm just going to call it right now. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think with Loudon, like in, like, I believe it was February ish, maybe late January, which I didn't even clock as a real reason. Cause I've still seen them obviously grabbing these youth players and it seems like it's still going to be some sort of pipeline. But Loudon are more so independent from DC United now, and they're still going this youth route. And I mean, we saw it in the starting eleven. They started um, most. They even started Aiden Rocca, who was picked up like two days ago, and he was really good in that midfield. Um, Zach Ryan with two goals, I believe, on the night. It was just a really complete performance from Loudon United. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that lineup. I must say is, is very strong. And how about Hugo Ferro? I mean, so he, he came up, he came up big with some really massive saves. Um, so, you know, the resurgence of, of him has, I, I think, I think he showed potentially the value he could bring as potentially a veteran goalkeeper, but you know, that still remains to be seen. It's one game of course, but he was massive as well. Yeah. I was particularly hard on Hugo Ferro especially this offseason, because he had a less than ideal record uh, in like the five games he played with Austin Bold. Like Austin Bold were always pretty average. They were never super good, but they were never super bad. And that was kind of what he was with the Bold. And then with Charleston last year, obviously any goalkeeper was going to get pounded on last year, no matter what. But he comes in and probably puts in one of the best performances in his pro career. And of course, the man of the match from that game had to have been Zach Ryan. Yeah. A brace, um, 32 out of 39 accurate passes, which is, I mean, that's, you can't, you can't say enough about, about the way he, about the way he played, um, you know, just, yeah, he played, he played awesome. And that's a, that's, that was a, that was a great pickup, I think too. So also yeah. six out of nine on ground duels as well. So immense he played, played a massive role. Immense from him up top. Uh, we'll talk about Memphis a little bit. I think this was a very telling game for Memphis. Um, 
One is that Stephen Glass is not a good manager. He, yeah. when he was, I believe he managed a couple games with Atlanta United when they were in that transition period. He was not good then. I, I know he managed, I believe, assistant-wise or um, just first-team manager-wise with Aberdeen was not great then. Atlanta United 2 was pretty bad there. Comes in fourth chance with Memphis and starts off with a loss to a glorified youth team. Right. Um, and I just think they, they just – I don't think Memphis played a great game overall. They just – they didn't when you of course when you get a red card, it's yeah. always hard. But it's also you look at the aspect of it, it's a red card towards an offensive player. Mm-hmm. It's not towards like a defensive player. Yes, you lose a lot in the attack, but you're not missing anything in the defense. Yeah. But I think a big problem is losing Logue and losing Dodson. And so And losing Seagrass. And losing Seagrass. <laughs> and so at times last year, when they looked like Swiss cheese on the defensive side, they are they're they're gonna I, I just don't know about the defense, that's all. And I was yeah. very high on them, I must say, because again, Philip Goodrum, but when he also doesn't score, it's kind of tough for you to win your win a game when your top goal scorer doesn't score. Yeah, when Philip Goodrum fires blanks, especially after saying he really wanted to move in the offseason, it doesn't give you hope. Um I would argue that Kissy Adu's red card was pretty soft. Um it was retaliatory, yes, but it's up for debate. I it's if it's for me. Um, there's one big thing here. We're ta- you're talking about that defense, how they didn't get a red card. I would argue that they were almost playing with three defenders the whole game because we're seeing Rashawn Daly, a striker, start at right back. That might be the most questionable line of decision I've seen this weekend. Yeah, that was that was very because. Doesn't he play in the midfield? He's a striker. Uh, he's a striker, exactly. So he's not, he doesn't he doesn't normally start at at right back, and that's just like Stephen Glass. What 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 are you doing? <laughs> like what it doesn't doesn't even make any sense. So, I yeah I don't I don't think um Memphis are in for a great year if this is what we continue to see from them. I would almost willing be willing to bet that they make a couple signings soon, hopefully for that defense or else it's going to be a rough year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll move on to Miami Tulsa. And I think this might have been for how, um, like obviously uh, high scoring doesn't mean it was a great game. Low scoring doesn't mean it was a bad game. This was one of the most fun games of the weekend. In my opinion, there were a lot of standouts. We saw a lot tactically with um, Blair Gavin coming in from FC Tulsa. Um, but to start, I think Michael Nelson in goal for Tulsa was huge. Absolutely. He was massive. He made some he made some huge saves, especially down the stretch. Um, and I think that's going to be a really good pickup for for Tulsa. Um, and, you know, if, if Wormel doesn't, get the start if he's injured or not he is a very serviceable backup i think absolutely i mean we've seen with sean lewis sean lewis who i was so high on and then goes to league one but tulsa are more than capable of finding themselves good goalkeepers miami too zende has was not short of having to show up either 
for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then, of course, Below was by far the man of the match, scored a absolute banger. That was some goal. No chance. No chance for Nelson on that, unfortunately. Um, but nobody, I mean, nobody closed below down is the thing. And you know what he's capable of from that distance. So I think as a defense, Tulsa just needed to do better. But again, an immediate response. Uh, and it was, I don't think it was one of the best saves from Zendejas, but he definitely needed to push it more out to the side um, because it just fell to Yosef and put it home. Yeah, it was it was weird to see that because I feel like with Blair Gavin coming in from the Columbus Crew, he would have wanted to have been more compact. I mean, the Columbus Crew were a possession-based team, and we only see Tulsa come away with 42% possession. So obviously he wants to do his own thing. I don't think he quite got it across in this game, though. It seemed like Tulsa, for the most part, in the beginning of the game, while they did pick it up and they got the equalizer like a minute after, uh, they were on the back foot for at least the opening 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Tulsa or Miami was definitely pinning them in and trying to get that second goal um, or that first goal. And then the second goal as well. So I think, I think it was, I think it was a good game for Miami, but they kind of almost left, let their foot off the gas pedal, I think in the second half and didn't have that same energy, that same pressing. So yeah, uh, very, very good game in Miami there. A good crowd as well, 2,000. Hopefully Miami can keep it up with that. But we'll move now to Birmingham, Pittsburgh. Uh, very, honestly, not so telling game for me at least because I am just not sure about what these teams bring to the table this year. And to see them play each other in the first game doesn't help me out to be honest. Yeah. I think this was, uh, I think this was a battle of uh, just like, not like uh good, but almost hidden sort of thing. Mm-hmm. A battle of the mid, And it's just like, you kind of know what you're going to get in. I don't know. I think a lot of people weren't, I feel like a lot of people could have predicted a one, one draw because Pittsburgh just, they don't they don't have enough and then of course Birmingham are missing Enzo so it just kind of it kind of had one one written all over it sort of th- from the beginning but yeah. for Birmingham to give it up that late was very uh was very disappointing yeah um i will say i think Pittsburgh may edge it a little bit i mean Birmingham come out Cronali gets the goal they are starting some of the youngsters they brought in they start in Weg uh, in Wegbo they got from Vermont Green. He doesn't start or he doesn't get a goal on his debut. Um, Edward Kizza for Pittsburgh, who comes in, uh, came in from Revs 2, goes off in the 54th minute, maybe just not effective enough. Maybe, you know, it just wasn't fitting in. They wanted to try something different, but that maybe isn't great. Uh, they get the goal from midfield. So neither team getting goals from up front. Maybe a bit worrying. I mean, Wegbo for, um, uh, I mean, Take a bit of time coming out from a lower league, but Kizza, maybe to expect him to get off to a higher start and off that early, maybe not so great. Yeah. Um, and I must say it was it was quite a beautifully beautifully worked goal for Cronali. Um, so I think I think also though losing Connor Smith, who just 
signed with Rhode Island, Rhode Island FC, the expansion side, yeah. I think that'll be a big loss. So that will be a, that will be a big loss. He's been it, key for Birmingham. Absolutely been key. So yeah, and then another note before we move on because this game honestly didn't have much to it. Uh, Mertz with the goal, like I said, but I think Pittsburgh are going to be losing a lot in that midfield because his name is escaping me. He went to Huntsville. Can't remember his name. Yeah. Danny Griffin, Danny Griffin. He was, he came in uh, after being drafted in the MLS uh, super draft. Wasn't too sure because it's always hit or miss with how players are going to do coming, not from the USL championship because you never know this league is one of the most dynamic leagues and success somewhere else doesn't guarantee success here. And he came in and he made that midfield his, and I think Pittsburgh will feel that. Maybe Robbie Mertz um, can keep that up. Maybe a junior Etu who comes in can keep that up. Cronado Forbes is more than capable. He's very good, but it's going to be a big loss. And I think they felt it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. He was so valuable in that midfield. It was just that connecting piece and just distributed so well to uh, to the to the attackers. And uh, yeah, they're going to miss him a lot. All right. Three games and we'll move on to Charleston Phoenix. And this was honestly not what I expected from this game. No, I, I didn't. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't as well because you look at it. Uh, yes, Juan Guerra is a coach, as we said in the past, who doesn't necessarily, who isn't necessarily like a high, doesn't run a high powered offense kind of likes to sit back a bit more. Of course, what we saw with Oakland. But also at the same time, you have guys like Danny Trejo who score goals. Um, and then, of course, Charleston scores goals, like, for fun, pretty much, um, with Augie Williams and Andrew Booth in them. So I didn't – I must – I will say, I didn't expect a 1-1 draw. Yeah. But at the same time, for how bad I hear Phoenix played in like the first 75 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I can, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see the result. It sounds like a Juan Guerra team. It really does not the playing bad. Cause I think he made Oakland play a lot better than the, some of their parts when he was there, but it's a team that's not going to punch you in the face because they score six goals. Yeah. It's going to be calm and collected. I mean, you read off the 11 that they started. Danny Trejo in defense is a bit questionable. He's more of a creative midfielder. I think maybe they win this game if Trejo is a lot a bit more freedom. Uh, but they still do well. And the faith that they have in Rios Novo over Rakowski says a lot that they have Patrick Rakowski on the bench. Former, former cup winner. I mean, yeah. They have a cup winner who's still in his prime years on the bench. Yeah. Um, and of course with Juan Guerra, you know, he's going to want to try and hold that possession and, you know, 53% possession. So they kind of accomplished it in that aspect. Um, and they also had more accurate passes, I must say. Um, but overall, not, not a bad result in terms of being on the road uh, away from home to start the season. So, yeah, I think, these are two teams really feeling out what they want to be. Like Ben Perman comes in. He doesn't want to concede 40 goals a game like last year. That's not going to help anybody. I mean, he doesn't, that is a completely overhauled defense from last year. 
um, especially with Wynn and Muse, who were pretty solid yesterday. Um, but I think, like, Charleston scored a lot of goals last year because they were pressing so high and their fullbacks were so far up that it was just inevitable inevitable that they were going to concede a lot. They just didn't have the ability to track back to not do that. So score three, concede four kind of vibes from last year. Not so much this year. I think I've learned that after predicting that this would be a three-all draw. Um, <laughs> I learned from that. And then I think Phoenix, the same thing. I think this is kind of what I expected from Phoenix. Being under Guerra, I mean, there it's not chance ball anymore. He's not, they're not going to score six, you know, every game. They may still have, like, on paper, the most expensive 11 and the theoretical best 11, but they're not going to be that team. Yeah, and, you know, kind of to hit on the point that you said with the revamped offense aspect of things or revamped defense phoenix their starting lineup had only one player on on in the starting lineup that was on the starting lineup last year so a complete overhaul um obviously and same can be said for charleston especially with that defense as you mentioned yeah um not much else to say for me i don't know about you other than Traeger looked good when he came on. I'm excited to see what he does. I think Charleston with that offense of Augie Williams, Markinich, and then Fidel Barajas, who is a Mexican youth international. And then they've got Tristan Traeger, who showed out with uh, Atlanta United 2 last year and comes to Charleston. That'll be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Traeger is going to fit right in. And, of course, Barajas is just quality through and through as a 16-year-old. So Yeah, he is <laughs> Yeah, he will be. He will do big things. Maybe not quite getting Charleston to the heights that they expect, but he'll be good. So move on now to Tampa Bay Indy, and I. This might be no. I'll save. What What do you think? I there's one other game I have in mind that's kind of like not disappointment. Like these teams have firepower, for sure. But there's one game that was kind of just like. I was watching it because I was like, I'll go through last night. I watched the first two games. I was flipping between Loud Memphis, um, Miami Tulsa missed every goal in those games, except for Zach Ryan's last goal. So that was fun. Um, moved on to Columbus, Toronto, because I'm a Columbus crew fan. Um, then I, between that game, I was keeping up with all the games though, was able to watch Sacramento El Paso for a little bit. That was incredibly terrible i'm sorry and then i was able to flip between monterey bay hartford and uh san diego detroit so yeah i will say this game based off of what i was able to see here might have been one of the most disappointing games in terms of what i thought these teams could bring but i think copying that is el paso sacramento yeah um and then of course there's the aspect of the penalty, kind of a controversial penalty, but I still think a penalty in the end. Um, well, obviously it was a foul. It's just a matter of whether he was in the box or not. Yeah. But it it's close, and the call is the call on the field. I'm 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 sure if there was VAR, it would have gone to VAR and they would have reviewed it and gotten the call correct. But we we live in uh, the world where USL doesn't have VAR, mm-hmm. but I think overall, like Indy, 
Indy definitely showed what they're capable of sometimes in the attack, but they're still kind of feeling each other out. And kind of as we mentioned, you have all these all these players and you throw them on the field and they still need to gel. It's it's a completely new roster, <laughs> similar to that of Phoenix, yeah. similar to that of the back line for both Charleston and Hartford. So just give them time, I think, and they'll they'll be fine. I but mean yeah, it's so disappointing. Don't I I better make a comparison here. Maybe it's a bit unfair, but you can agree with me or not. Indy did a Phoenix this offseason. They went out and they got the best player they could in every position. Yeah. And I, they did fuck tactics, I, just vibes. I mean, Yannick Idle and goal was good for Hartford. Hartford were not good last year, but I mean, like, he did his best. Budati um, did what he could last year again for Hartford. Martini, uh, Rissi. Uh, coming in from Rochester. Rochester were good last year. Um, so I think that was honestly one of the more smart calculated things they could have done. This pay was good. I think a bit undervalued for Tulsa and they let him go. Um, but then you see that midfield and that forward core and you're like, that's just like so mashed together. Yeah, it, you know, um, of course, Lindley, Quinn, probably one of the best midfielders in the game. Um, same, same with Lindley and that pairing in the midfield is, is going to be lethal. I think when they, when they find their, uh, when they find the rhythm together and then of course you just, yeah, I think, you know, you're getting in that attack. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of figure things out and of course gel together. Yeah. I, th- and I think attacking wise, my only concern is that with Gwenzadi, Fjellberg and Asante, I see, three goal scorers. I don't see a winger. Like all three are capable of creating. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Gwenzadi is that more out and out number nine pure striker. But I see three players who are not going to be looking for the pass most of the time. Asante was lethal with Phoenix. Fjellberg last year was very good with RGV. Um, RGV magic all the way. And then... Yeah. Gwenzadi, we know, was one of Tampa Bay's best ever strikers. So these are three players who are going to have to either take their shots very well in order for that to work, or Fjellberg and Asante most likely are going to have to learn how to make that extra pass. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then Tampa Bay, Armin comes on, gets the goal from midfield. Happy for him. Cal Jennings, Williams blanked in their first game. Um, maybe, I mean, I, I honestly think that that's just like, we know Tampa Bay is going to be good this year. We know they're going to score goals. I will say, um, a a bad, a bad penalty from, from Jennings. He, he definitely, uh, needs to do better with that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think overall it was just wasn't what we expected. I'd say from that game. Yeah, you really, I mean, like, both teams, like, defensively sound-wise, are very good. But, I mean, offensively, probably two of the most, like, electric, in-your-face, clinical front lines in the league. So, yeah, it was was weird to watch that. So, Tampa Bay won, Indy won. We'll move on to San Antonio before our break. This was a hectic game 
I'll say. I mean, it was it was just like it was bizarre. I think sort of, especially the third goal or whatever the goal was from yeah from midfield, just like Blanchett. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure Batista didn't even mean to for that to go in. That had to it, have been just a clearance. It had to have been just a clearance. Because <laughs> I just don't. Because I don't even know if he picked his head and looked up at at Blanchett to see if he was out of his net. But Blanchett gets caught off his line, and it's a god awful mistake from from Blanchett. And of course, the bicycle kick was something else. That was that was unbelievable. Uh, I've never seen anything like that before because it looked like live, it was a header, but then you look at the replay and he got a foot to it. Batista did, and it was just ah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I I honestly I saw the highlights because I wasn't able to catch this game. I so, thought he scorpion kicked it from the the beginning. I was like, there is no fucking way. But <laughs> in the end, it's a bike. Um, this game felt exactly like it was going to be except for obviously the two goal of the season contenders already um yeah. i mean nico hansen cuts in fantastic finish that is what san antonio do especially from that low block um if we look at that possession we know this is how they want to play san antonio 33 percent possession low block counter find the wings. I mean, Hanson cuts in beautifully and then Oakland with the possession and they do absolutely nothing with it. For for San Antonio to lose a guy like Patino and then to go out and get, get a guy like Hanson with MLS experience who can put the ball in the back of the net, that is, I think that's going to be a massive pickup for them. So, Yeah. Um, trying to think. Not really much else for me to say. Bit disappointing debuts probably from Metsoso. Blanchett did not cover himself in glory. Um, I think Let's put it, this way. it was an Oakland Roots esque game from all aspects. Yeah, this was the most Oakland Roots result that could have happened. They play average. Um, they defend their asses off, and they get beat by two absolute wonder goals. Yeah. So, which if they don't happen, they get the draw. So yeah. I mean. For sure. Of course, the one from from half field is like, you know, from midfield is like that is certainly lucky. But I think the 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 second one or the one from Batista, the first one from Batista was definitely all skill. Absolutely. So San Antonio get the win over Oakland. Oakland cannot seem to get out of their own way and do things that only they know how to do wrong. So good for them. Maybe they'll do better next week. Probably not. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to finish the rest of the games and talk about um, some of the players that we saw that really stood out this week as well. All right, we are back from that quick little break. We've got three games left, then we'll jump into some other topics. Um, We'll jump into the first one back probably my most um not like not overrated but like disappointing game that i put on it's el paso sacramento mainly because i feel like i knew what i was going to get out of this game and i still watched it for some reason uh you know that's part of having a podcast is you have to watch uh 
boring ass games and El Paso could have put me to sleep to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. You know, they, I think they had a rough off season, of course, losing Dylan Maris and, and all of that. Um, of course, signing youth, which is not a bad thing. You know, you sign Academy players, big congrats to them, but ultimately at the same time, it doesn't do you much in the long run. I, I think. And so they're kind of in this phase where I think they're going in almost rebuilding mode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, scoring, scoring no goals in your home opener at home uh, really kind of speaks to what this team is right now. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly a bit uh, sad to see because first getting into the USL championship, I kind of gravitated towards El Paso because as a Columbus crew fan, they used to have Logan Ketterer in goal. And he is a former Columbus Crew player. So I was like, that's cool. I hadn't seen him in a while. Here's Logan Ketterer at a El Paso team of a league I haven't seen before. That was, was a while ago. And here they are now completely like that was when they were reaching the semifinals, like two seasons in a row. And now we're down to dominating possession, doing nothing with it. This team feels like it doesn't have any key playmakers. Like they've got Christian in midfield who they picked up who seemed okay. They've got Calvillo, who can still do what he needs to do. They've got Heinz at the back. But, I mean, it's just not a team that's got that, like, most teams in this league have a playmaker, the one player who can do something when they most need to. Calvillo might be the closest thing to it, but I don't think he is that. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, well, you have Lucho. You If you don't give him service strikers live and die by service but you yes. just don't give service you can't score simple as that so because you don't have that playmaker um you don't put that service in and you can't score goals so it it's looking to be a very um average year under Carhout. sacramento start off well russell cicerone gets his goal to start off that's what gets them the win um other than that, not too much. Definitely highlight of the uh, broadcast was hearing the announcer mispronounce Vitiel's name to Vitilio. So gotta love that. He, uh, in all in all honesty, he's the he's the El Paso announcer. So he, true. Sometimes, sometimes I I and because I've uh you know kind of seen what some announcers do, they'll have like a a pronunciation sheet, but. He tried his best. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, he but... definitely tried. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it might not uh, have been his best, but he definitely gave it a go. Yeah. But I I, I don't think it could have been anyone else who scored the goal for Sacramento, honestly. Maybe like maybe like uh, Luis Felipe, maybe. But, of course, it had to have been Russell Cicerone. Yeah. So, we'll move on. Not much to talk about in this game. We'll move on to a game that I was not surprised by what I saw at all. Let's move on to, well, to be honest, the next two games, I think were pretty straightforward in terms of coming in. We knew what these teams had to provide and it's exactly what they showed. So we'll first, we'll move on to San Diego, Detroit, um, San Diego, get the goal through Kasanze, a absolutely, honestly, beautiful volley, even though it was in the center of the box past Steinwasher. Um, San Diego do San Diego things very much stretching the field and they played into Detroit's 
super defensive tactics. Yeah. And I think it was very, very lovely finish, lovely finish. Um, you know, like that's a, that's a center back. Yeah. That's, that's a striker's that's, finish from a center that's, back. That's a striker's finish from a center back. Um, and so for, for, for him, for him to do that uh, is props to him. I believe that's his, is that his first goal ever? I believe so. He's, I believe yeah, he's I believe 19. He's like 19 years old coming into the league. And that is, yeah, big, big props to him. Strikers finish. Um, meanwhile, Detroit don't have any type of strikers finishes. On the team. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go into that. I honestly thought that they put themselves in a favorable position to maybe score a goal. They started off with in a more three, five, two ish. At least that's what they put on as the graphic before the game having, uh, and apparently I was pronouncing Skage Simonson's name wrong. Apparently it's Skage Simonson. So my bad. And then Yazid Matthews. I like neither of them are obviously scorers. Skage is more a provider. He had two goals, seven assists last year with Loudon. So to put him at striker is a bit, man, maybe he's a second striker. Didn't really Look, play that. So looking looking at it here, it's listed as a three four one two. So hmm. they might that's weird. It's cause like maybe okay, maybe it was maybe have, I'm thinking like just a flat five then. Yeah. You have you have Bryant, Carroll, and Lewis in the back, Williams, Diop, Rodriguez, Goddard in the middle, Ballard in the middle as well. Uh just a little more forward. And then yeah. Le- Leyland and Matthews up top. So yeah, very interesting. Very so weird. It, Not a good lineup. Yeah, it's a lot different than what we saw last year. More so that instead of having the two cams under the one striker, who it used to be Connor Rutz, who came on and did nothing like we all thought he would, um, it's one cam in behind servicing to two strikers. And while I think that's a bit better, um, it would probably be you know, a good idea if it was... Uh, if they still had Hopena, which they don't, it it's just they like Bill Hart and Goddard, who I think were two of their better um pickups. I mean, Bill Hart didn't even play, and Goddard I thought was average at best, and I think they're two of their best um pickups service wise, and we didn't see any from them because Bill Hart didn't even play to be yeah. begin with. You know, sixteen total shots from Detroit. Uh, seven of them coming from inside the box. And as we mentioned, if you just don't have that out and out goal scorer, um, then it's, yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah. Um, And I, I mean, they have, I don't think I would say they would likely find someone, but I don't think they will because they have three forwards that I think they trust. I mean, Connor Rutz, who they had last year when they were good. I mean, Rodriguez was their top goal scorer last year for midfield. He had like, I believe it was 10 goals. Um, maybe he'll do that again. I don't think so. Especially with that role that he's playing now, servicing the two, instead of having that um, other cam next to him that could provide for him or allow him to create by himself. But I don't think Simonson, Matthews, and Wrights are it. And I don't think they're going to go out and find that striker to better because they surely trust them. Yeah, agreed. So... About what we can talk about there. We'll move on to the last game. Orange County, Louisville FC. Last year, I think this would have been the exact same result, except I think now it's 
more not very disappointing for Orange County. Yeah. Like, I mean, Orange County last year were about as it's about as pathetic as a championship defense as you can get. And I think last year they didn't know what they wanted to do in terms of balancing um youth and like experience. Because last year, like that midfield, which hasn't really changed that much, was about like the most defensive 30 plus year old midfield I've seen. And it was not working at all. And they didn't have any much like much room to move anything. But I think this year they more so know what they want. Like, I mean, they lose Rukoski, they bring in Shuttler and goal. There's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of turnover to begin with. But it's an Orange County team that feels like it will have hope this year, despite the loss that feels like it would have come from last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, Oloski will always do his thing and, and all of that stuff. But uh, it's, it's definitely about the surrounding pieces. And just kind of looking at it here, uh, Scheller didn't have the best of games in goal, but um, the back line also didn't didn't do the best, but they're still gelling, I think. And I think Fox, again, as we mentioned, will provide some vet veteran experience and will try and get them to co get them cohesive per se. Yes. Our hero, Owen Lamb, will <laughs> lead this team to glory once he's back. Um Louisville, on the other hand, very convincing. It's the same Louisville we see year in and year out. McCabe with the first goal in the fourth minute that set the tone. They're always they're always going to win, especially against an Orange County team with this kind of feeling, especially when they lead off with a goal in four minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, of course, Lancaster just doing Lancaster things. You put it into him, it's almost you put it into him, and you just know he's gonna put it home. Like, just yeah, he's that yeah. good. And then. Musha Galusa gets his first of the year. It's going to be a big year for him. I think with Lancaster aging a little bit, he's still more than capable. We know old players are more than capable uh, for providing in this league. Um, but I think it's going to get to a point, not this year, but maybe in a season or two where it's the passing of the guard of Lancaster. Like I still think Lancaster could hit 20 this year if he didn't even want to. He still will out of pure talent. But we're going to get to a point, I think, soon where it's Mushigalusa and Wilson Harris dominating from that front line. And I, I will say, I think when Harris and Mushigalusa are in the lineup, it's more team oriented and it's almost less direct than when Lancaster's in the lineup. Because with Lancaster, you know, you can just put that ball in sometimes and he'll, again, he'll just put it home. Mm-hmm. So I think Harris and Mushigalusa kind of add, bring, bring a different aspect to the game for that Lou City side. Absolutely. And then I think another big thing that Orange County were missing is that Iloski is a, he didn't score. And that's not what I'm going to say here is he is definitely a provider and a score. We saw that last year, but I think they missed a player that he could provide too. Cause he can't do everything by himself all the time. He did that last year and that didn't work out. Um, I think they missed McNulty to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, you know, he can, of course, yeah, he can score with the best of them for sure. Ilofsky can. But 
you need you need that other support, that other goal scorer, I think. And to for them to not have that, it's gonna be a it's gonna it's a it's a big loss when you when you lose McNulty. So yeah, it uh, they, I mean, they need they need to sign someone. But Among, of course, didn't play, but hopefully he'll come in and make a difference. Yeah, Among will help. That's true. Um, but like. McNulty, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's V's or anything. Obviously, coming in from Dundee United this offseason, he is a player who I touted to be more so of a bench option just to throw his weight around. But after watching this game, I think he'll be a key piece in that Orange County attack. Um, More so because you also, in the USL Championship, you don't sign someone overseas and not have them start. So I think McNulty will be big. So that is it for all of the Saturday games. We're recording this before the RGV Las Vegas game tonight. I do not want to watch that game. It's going to be rough. I'll, I'll watch it for fun, you know. Um, because There's going to be goals. There's going to be so many goals. For sure. Uh, I think in the end, I have RGV winning uh, because it's just Wilmer Cabrera we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gonna be a horrid game, I think, from from the defensive aspect of things. But it, it yeah, I'm gonna watch it regardless. I I don't know how to preview this game because RGV to their like benefit can tactically like shift to whatever they really need to do. And I honestly applaud Wilmer Cabrera for that, but I think they do that too often and it kind of just messes them up because they have so many different avenues that they don't know what they want to do. And they just, I don't think, have necessarily the talent to always meet what the other teams are doing. And then Las Vegas in their first year under Isidro Martinez, anyone's guess what's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, I think, honestly, with Las Vegas... You know what you're gonna get, and it's just not gonna be good. So, I, again, I like Pato. I love Pato because you know I've you know I've talked with him on social media and all that stuff. But he's definitely gonna score goals for fun. But it just, yeah, it remains to be seen with that defense, that midfield. There's just and of course the goalkeeper. So, yeah, um, bringing a goalkeeper from River Plate. I think they've got that sorted. They bring in Carroll uh, in defense, who will most likely be the leader there. They got Pato Botello Fats, like you said, who can score. And then they bring in Eric Kubo Torres, who, put it simply, did not impress at Orange County. And it seems like they're putting a lot of emphasis on him being the one. So, yeah. And, you know, hope I, I hope Kubo gets uh, finds his stride with yeah. Las Vegas. Because that would be awesome to see the the Eric Kubo Torres of old, you know, uh, just will that happen? Because as well as we kind of mentioned before, can they provide that service to him with that with that midfield that they have? So should be yeah. interesting. I mean, it'd be it'd be fun to see Las Vegas be good again. It's just they now nah, they haven't felt like they want to be good for a couple seasons. I mean, like they're not doing themselves any benefit by leaving signings until a month beforehand. Yeah. So that is 
RGV Las Vegas about as good of a preview as you can get, I think. Because it's just two teams you don't know what you're going to get. Let's talk about next weekend, though. There are yeah. some games next weekend. And I, I, I don't know how much... I don't know about you, but I don't know how much I, like enjoy like i enjoy the outer conference matchups there's so much fun to see those because they're so rare ish now because of how many teams we have but i don't know if i like them front loading them at the beginning of the season i mean it makes sense travel wise and uh, money wise but as much as it might not be my thing there are some good ones next weekend yeah absolutely uh of course one of the notable ones, especially from my aspect, is us playing Lou City. But I I will I will say we have like we played like our so like we have six games at home against the Eastern Conference opponents, but all of them come in like the first half of the season. So now we're gonna be traveling to the very far reaches of all mm-hmm. these places at the end of the season. We have a stretch of three road games before our final home game at the end of the year and that's going to be tough um but you know we'll just have to see how that goes yeah um in terms of i mean like i think what do you what is your like monterey louisville will be good more so because i think that front line that we see especially with alex dixon as that starting striker and then monterey bay team that we just saw score five goals on a four back against a louisville team that presses high with a three back that could spell a fun match, a lot of goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just, I have the confidence of saying we've beaten Louisville before. So yeah, I think we have that going for us. I don't think it's going to be a two nil game. If anything, I could probably see it ending like four, three, either way for Louisville or us. So, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun match. Um, I don't really see a draw in this game. I'll say this though: I will take a draw against Louisville for how good of a side they are. I will take a draw at home against Louisville. Louisville will be on their front foot, and I think that defense becomes a bit more questionable. I mean, it didn't really show much against Orange County because Orange County didn't pressure them that much. But Ian Solaire is gone. And he was good last year with Louisville. Standout defender. He is gone. They still have more than serviceable players to play um, to fill his role in that three-back. But just a bit more to think about for Louisville for sure. And I do think as much as you would think Monterey Bay will have learned from conceding a lot this weekend, I think it might just have to happen one more game because that Louisville team is electric. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, if I if I had to predict any score line, I can't I can't go against my team, obviously. <laughs> so I'll go I'll go four three, as I kind of said. Four three. It's gonna be high scoring. But at the same time, I will not be surprised if Louisville pull it out. I think I think I'll go for three two Monterey Bay just because I more so trust them at home now, making Cardinale a fortress now that it's their second year and Yallop knows what he wants from this team. That's not undermining Louisville as a team though. They're still going to be fantastic this year. So I think it'll just be that one off. They get caught out and then they go blaze the next five games. Yeah. So, for sure. 
Um, talk about. I'm looking at these games. We got Miami, New Mexico. That'll be New Mexico's first game. That will be fun to see, especially in the post Sandoval era. Um, and with Miami, honestly, playing well this weekend. Yeah, it's gonna. I think that's gonna. It's gonna be an interesting matchup, for sure. And uh, New Mexico is is still a quality side, and it will definitely be interesting to see if they can score those goals like they did in years past. Um, I think the defense is still pretty pretty decent, and they'll. It's going to be a good match. I'll just play it that way. Yeah, I'll be looking for Miami to not fall into the rhythm of last year where it felt like they were just coasting because they were better than Tulsa, Hartford, and Indy who, bless their heart, just could not get a result to save their life. Um, But they were not like going into that gear where they could have been better and pushed for higher than sixth. It kind of just felt like they were settled with sixth and that's just where they ended up. I'll be looking for them to get out of that. But New Mexico, I'll be looking forward to Nico Brett back. And I'll be looking forward to Hurst, his first game out of Phoenix, with hopefully a more opportune uh, place to score goals. Because, I mean, any player last year was not in a great place with Phoenix. So we'll see how that goes. Um, In terms of other games, I mean, Colorado Springs, Elvis Amo will be back his first return in the second match week to play Colorado Springs. And I think Colorado Springs play on Wednesday against El Paso. I don't know how much we're going to get out of that because El Paso are kind of shut down, I feel like, and just kind of, how do I want to put this? I don't know. Not really shithouse their way to some goals, but it's kind of close to that. Uh, So I don't know how much we're going to gauge from the switchbacks against an El Paso team who feel obviously different but I'm not sure how much I've gotten from El Paso yet. So I think this Hartford game will be more so proving what the switchbacks could be this year. Yeah. Um, if anything, I do think Hartford gets their first win on the season against Colorado. Because Colorado, like, of course, we know how bad they did this offseason in not retaining anything they had. And Amo, in his first game back, I, I honestly, I could see him scoring a brace. <laughs> I could really see him scoring a brace. Um, so that should be a an interesting match, but I think Hartford pulls that out. Yeah, Amo, I don't think there's like bad blood because like I think in Galena goes to Turkey for free. Amo goes to Hartford. And I think Hartford was just a more opportune place for Amo at that point, And that's why he goes. And then Barry makes a seven digit transfer to Egypt. So it's not like, they're losing these players because they're not paying them or whatever. It's just because there's more opportunities somewhere else. But I think Amo comes back with a bit of a fire and puts some past the switchbacks. And the switchbacks midfield is, I think, one of the most, especially that left side. They signed like three left mids who are all starting quality for like 20 teams, to be completely honest especially Malik Foster. He is very good. And that is a big loss for Sacramento. Um, but I mean, it's that defense that worries me. It's that offense that worries me. They lose three pieces in probably the, one of the most legendary front lines we've ever seen in this league, to be completely honest. Um, and one of the most valuable front threes we've ever seen in this league. And they cannot replace them. They're not going to replace them, but 
it, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, and of course they lose they lose Tristan Hodge, and then they yeah. also lose Jeff Caldwell to retirement, and so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be looking up, but hopefully they can uh, figure it out. It'll it'll be a, I think it'll be a punch in the face for sure losing at Widener Field, um, especially in Stephen Hogan's first game at Widener Field. I think this year will be a tough one for Hogan. I think he'll have to fight through some adversity. Um, I predicted that I'm gonna stick by it until I'm proven wrong. But I think maybe 2024. I think they'll learn the ways of don't just sign the best players who are available. Actually, know what you want. Because they signed a lot of these players before Burke was gone as well. This seemed like Burke's team, and then he goes off to MLS, and Hogan comes in, and it feels like as much as Hogan was still familiar with the team, how much of it is actually Hogan's team? Probably not much. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how that goes. Um, One more game I want to talk about, purely because I think it'll end in a nil-nil draw. I'm predicting it right now. El Paso, Detroit, two teams who, uh, the only two teams who did not score uh, this opening weekend. And they go head-to-head next weekend. Yeah, it has, sorry, it has nil-nil written all over it. <laughs> it does. It's like, if if you're a better, this is a game you want to take, potentially. Like, this, bet, bet that the score is going to be nil-nil and you'll make some money. Because it might score goals for those two teams. Yeah, if Solignac is back, and if they can get something from that midfield, El Paso, maybe they get it, but I'm not sure if he will be back in time. And then Detroit, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. to will. I want to will them to score goals. I want to donate goals to them, but I just can't. I'm sorry, guys. So, um, Don't know what else to cover. I mean, there's Orange County, Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay takes that easily. Um, Sacramento, Charleston, honestly, that'll be a fun game. Um, Sacramento, I don't think we're a hundred percent this past uh, yesterday against El Paso. Charleston definitely not up to a hundred percent against Phoenix. Will do you think they'll be there for this game? Um, I think I think Charleston will finally show up, I think. And the attack will will materialize, I do think. But I think in the end, you're playing on the road against Sacramento and Sacramento's home opener. I think Sacramento yeah. takes this uh, 3-2. Yeah, it's a tough one. You've got that long, probably the one of the longest, I think the, the, like, the only away day that, might be longer than this is Hartford to Sacramento. Yeah. So this is probably the second or third longest away day in that time change. It's going to be and Sacramento's home opener. It's going to be a lot of obstacles to overcome for Charleston. One, one more game. That's also it's on Sunday, uh, San Diego and the Phoenix. That will be a tasty game. I, yes. I don't know what to expect. I don't even know what I would expect from that game with Among gone. And I was going to say it in the Detroit game because I think as much as San Diego missed Among and his creativity in that game, I think they also missed Kyle Vassell 
and his ability to just break through those lines with pure force. Because that Detroit team is going to defend 10 times over before they think about scoring a goal. Um, And I I wonder how that'll be against Garibald, which isn't like necessarily close, but it's definitely along the same lines as Detroit of like building the play, trying to find those lanes, not just like, you know, direct ball. So it'll be it. What what do you think there? Yeah, I mean, we all know. I guess we all know the history with San Diego going to Phoenix on like Phoenix's opening day. Of course, like I think it was four to one last year or something like that. But yeah, I think Conway in that in that number nine. I think he just still needs to settle in a bit. But I think Conway can definitely score goals, and I'll say that. Um, it's it's still still going to be uh, a very a very interesting uh, interesting match, and I think Phoenix Phoenix will find a way to at least score two in their home home opener. But at the very end, I could see it ending two two or even three three. Yeah, I I want to go down the lane so bad of predicting a high scoring game. Every game I predicted to be high scoring this. Uh, past weekend was not high scoring and the one game I predicted to be relatively low scoring ended up being a 5-3 so I do like San Diego for me right now I think Conway still needs to materialize and find himself in that nine role a bit more um and I obviously they've lost help of him on they've still got Moshabani who I I did he play I don't think he played I don't believe so no um so if he's available Maybe it's possible. It's a six o'clock kickoff, so we'll get that sunlight. Uh, Phoenix, I don't know if they're also going to be there quite yet. I would almost predict another one nil win for San Diego. Just because yeah. I think Garibald is not perfected to beat a team like San Diego. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can really beat San Diego with that tactical building being super duper patient because like these phoenix players are too good to be patient to their benefit like i mean like as weird as it is to say that and how kind of like bad it is to say that a lot of the these players just want to be creative and they want to want to flow forward they want to do their thing and i think garrett kind of holds them back a little bit and i think that's where oakland was like a good place for him because he didn't have that overwhelming amount of talent like they bought in and now he's got this locker room full of personalities and egos and like top quality USL players. And he's got this conservative play, which is tough. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I think if you put chance in the position that Garrett is in now, I think they do score more goals than I think they will with Garrett this season. So, yeah, I think you could put chance in any team. Honestly. Yeah. And, and- they'd get at least 50 goals. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, like you get, I don't know. He'd somehow, some way he'd still score 30 with Oakland. Um, We'll just shit on Oakland the whole episode. Yeah. And Detroit. And Detroit and Detroit. Well, I mean, if you play boring and you can't score, what do you want us to talk about? Yeah. There you go. Um, I think that about covers it. We got loud in San Antonio next weekend. Obviously loud and are going to win that game. We've got RGV Oakland next weekend. Obviously, RGV are going to win that game, um, both by a 5-0 scoreline as well. So 
Loudon for the cup, RGV for the cup. I hope it happens. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, Before we end this off, let's think. I was going to think player of the weekend and maybe play of the weekend. You can mm-hmm. do, we did it last time, you can go Monterey Bay and then separate other way as well if you'd like to, or you can just stick to one, but I'll go just one side. So if you would like to go first, go for it. Um, For Monterey Bay FC, it can't be anyone else. Alex Dixon. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely phenomenal. He was just, he was so good. And I really want to say him for just overall player of the week. I think he's going to be in the conversation for that yeah. as well. But if I had to pick anyone else except uh, Alex Dixon for a player of the week overall, I'd have to go Florian Velo. I think he was great. Yeah, he was outstanding, especially with that goal, with his creativity. He really broke those Tulsa lines, which is a stingy Tulsa defense. My player of the week, I'm not going to stray away. It has to be Alex Dixon. <laughs> he get You get a hat trick on opening weekend. Your club's first hat trick. You put away your club's first penalty. How can you not be player of the week? And then also getting your first ever career hat trick. Yes, absolutely. At 32. It's legendary. It's a great story. Play of the week. There's two. There's obviously that Velo banger against uh, Tulsa. And then I think Lamar Batista's halfway goal also Gets itself into the conversation, but as much as I'd like to believe that Batista shot that, I think I just have to give it to Velo because Velo meant it. And that Velo, the angle cutting across for the shot into the opposite corner, beating Nelson that easily, that should just not happen. It's a incredible strike. Um, and I think while Batista's shot was shot slash clearance was good. I think it's also a bit questionable of Blanchette and his positioning and his ability to get back for that. So, Absolutely. That is all we have for today's episode. Thank you, MBFC Discussion, for being back on to the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Um, and yeah, may- maybe uh, like a little part-time co-host. So. Yeah, maybe a little part-time co-host, co-host action here. You love to see it. We will be back maybe midweek for a short episode. At least I might be back midweek for a little short episode on what we saw from RGV Las Vegas. God bless me. I don't want to watch that game. And then El Paso, Colorado Springs in Colorado Springs first game on Wednesday. Also do not want to watch that game. That will probably be awful, but we're going to do it anyway. I'll see you guys for the next episodes. So see you then.